my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where we're talking about the decentralized revolution each and every week, the way the world changes from centralization to decentralization. And we talk about that because if you don't understand the way the world is working, then you don't understand how to stay one step ahead. Now, while most people are wondering what the heck just happened as they watch their wealth and their freedom and their way of life change and disappear, others can prepare and can benefit from what's going on. And that's exactly what I want for you. That's exactly what I'm doing. As a matter of fact, it's why I have been so focused on this for the last about 12 years now. And it really started as more of a selfish, I'm just going to be honest with you, from a selfish perspective, um, trying to watch out for me, myself, and my family. Um, but then I figured, hey, I might as well talk about it and share it with the rest of the world so other people can get uh, prepared as well. Now, like I said, we look at uh, this this world changing, and we try to look at it through the lens of politics, finance, and technology. And I like to look at some of the latest breaking news headlines so you can start to see how the world is changing. So I want to run through some of those. We're going to look at what is going on from a global standpoint, specifically with NATO and how that relates to Europe, but not just Europe, how it even relates to China what's going on over in Taiwan, and so much more, Sweden, etc. We're going to run through the latest breaking news headlines in, in Bitcoin and crypto. There's a lot going on there. What's going on with the new government central bank digital currency that just came out? Uh, we're going to look at uh, some lawsuits that are happening in the tech space that have some big implications of what's going on moving forward. Of course, we're going to look at um, what's going on in the economy, specifically around um, job numbers with uh, inflation, um, and then we're going to look at some um, some big news that show how um, 
the world is changing in the United States, specifically around um, businesses, uh, corporations, FTC regulations, and what I like to call the administrative state. So we got a lot to cover. Well, let's just, you know, and it's important to look at these detailed headlines. And the big one, if we, I like to start at the top because it's what influences everything else. And it's really what's going on in the world with the war, you know, uh, However you want to look at it, you know, I know there's a bunch of different viewpoints on this, but it really comes down to NATO, right? This is where it really seems to be hinging on because, you know, obviously there's the Russia-Ukraine thing. The United States, is, uh, NATO's in on in it with, with Ukraine, but really it comes down to Russia not wanting Ukraine to be part of NATO. And it makes sense because we wouldn't want Russia or China to put a bunch of nuclear weapons along our Mexico or Canadian border. We wouldn't want that. As a matter of fact, we already had a war where Russia tried to do that in Cuba, and we didn't want that in Cuba. And now we have China now trying to move into Cuba, and we don't want that either. And Cuba is not even on our border, although it's very, very nearby. But the reason why it's important to understand that is because as all of this is going on, it puts a lot of stress onto those relationships. And specifically this week, we saw NATO have a summit. They met in Lithuania, and Sweden was asking to join NATO. They wanted to become part of that. But Turkey is strongly opposed to Sweden joining NATO. These things get pretty messy, so I try to keep them uh, somewhat simple. But in Sweden, um, people are opposed to kind of the, the Muslim movement that's been happening inside Sweden. There were some Qurans that were being burned there. And so Turkey took offense to that and opposed that, which is, I mean, it's understandable. It's understandable. You know, part, a lot of this has to do with uh, cultures that just don't align properly and trying to force square pegs into round holes, so to speak, right? You have like George Soros' uh, his nonprofit called Open Societies, and he really wants um, all these different people to move all in together, but the problem is they just don't all get along. And while I believe that, you know, I believe Jesus told us that the number one commandment is to love God and love other people more than yourself. So I believe in loving everybody. It doesn't mean that we have to hang out with everybody all the time. We should treat everybody with love and respect, everybody, from the homeless drug addict to the maniac that you don't agree with, whatever. We should treat everybody with love and respect, but it doesn't mean we have to hang out with everybody. Sometimes you just want to hang out with people that are just sort of like you, with the same interests as you, same you know desires, same values, things like that. And I think that's okay, in my opinion. There shouldn't be anything wrong with that. But the problem is when you have this, you know, these these forced policies pushing mass migration and um, you bring cultures that are uh, opposite of each other and try to force them together, and then it causes clashes. And uh, that's sort of like what we've been seeing happening in Sweden, I think. is, uh, and, and, and I'm not saying it's right by any means, um, but it's important to understand that because if you understand that, then you also understand what's happening in the United States right now. You know, we've had millions of people come across the southern border with the same thing happening in the United States that happened in Europe. Right, You had all that destabilization in Syria and the Middle East that pushed millions of migrants up into Germany, France, and Sweden that have now caused a lot of problems. I mean, look at what's happening in France right now. In, in France, they've been having the riots. French President Emmanuel Macron announced, um, I think, 45,000 know, additional troops to go in there and try to, try to, try to slow things down. You know, we have the situations in Sweden. 
And that's sort of like what we're probably going to see at some point in the United States. I, I pray that we don't, but I'm, but unfortunately, that's where things are going. But back to the NATO thing, you know, uh, it it's really taking a turn because now not only are we seeing countries not want to be part of NATO and be be the you know this, this alliance over there, um, but we have Russia saying, "Hey, if these nations do join NATO, like then we really have to step up what we're doing." And and uh, the Russian Foreign Ministry said that NATO uh, wants to return to these Cold War schemes. Then Moscow will quote respond in a timely and appropriate manner. The Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov said that it was potentially very dangerous for the West to give Ukraine security guarantees. The Russian foreign ministry said that the summit showed that NATO was reverting to Cold War schemes, Cold War schemes and added that it would respond in a timely and appropriate manner using all means and methods at our disposal. So they're escalating this to points that just don't need to be raised. I mean, the United States is now offering to send like cluster bombs over to Ukraine to continue to escalate the situation. This is a losing proposition for everybody on the planet Earth. This is potentially going to a nuclear war level, which is devastating, not just for the people that it's inflicted on. It's, it's, it's devastating for everybody on Earth. It's devastating for the land and Earth itself. There's nobody that wins from this except for the um, industrial military complex. The only one that's winning from this is the people selling the weapons. That's it. Who, 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 is, who else is benefiting from this war? You can't say that we're going in there and saving uh, you know, people living in some harsh authoritarian dictator regime because we're not. That, that's the situation they're living in now. We're, I mean, I, I guess the argument is that somehow maybe Putin is worse than Zelensky. But the bigger problem is that now over in China, they see the same thing. And now China is looking at um, NATO. And NATO said that the People's Republic of China um, is challenging its interests and security values uh, with its, quote, ambitious and coercive policies. And now this has started to escalate how China is looking at the United States and NATO and specifically in regards to Taiwan. They said that the Chinese mission said that China uh, opposes NATO's, quote, eastward movement into the Asia-Pacific region and warned that any action threatening Beijing's rights would be met with a resolute response as well. So now they're saying, hey, NATO, like you're overstepping your bounds. And if you even think about coming over here, then we're going to have to respond. And so all of this is escalating to a point that uh, – like I said, this doesn't benefit anybody. I, I was listening to Tulsi Gabbard speak at this Freedom Fest where I'm speaking at uh, tomorrow. And she said that uh, our founding fathers, James Adams, said that permanent war is always a threat to liberty. And so this permanent war that we're in is the threat. It doesn't do any good for anybody at all. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show talking about the decentralized revolution. We'll be back with more in a minute. Don't go away. I'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? 
You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hi, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about the decentralized revolution, running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week so you know what the heck is going on and so that you can sound like, uh, you know, like you're smart and tuned in when you go to that cocktail party this weekend or whatever it is that you're doing. And, you know, of course, we'd like to look at the world through the lens of politics, finance, and technology so we can get a really comprehensive uh, view, a holistic view of what's going on. And of course, the technology is always the thing that's changed the world the most. And the technology that we, to fo- we like to focus on is Bitcoin. It's the decentralized technology that's decentralizing the world. But as Bitcoin is decentralizing the world, we have, uh, I guess, you know what they say, each force has that equal and opposite reaction. The equal and opposite reaction is the centralizing forces want to come out with their own answer to Bitcoin, their counter to Bitcoin, a digital version of Bitcoin that they can control. And of course, that is a CBDC. We talk about all that all the time. Of course, that's a that's a generic term for it, right? It's a central bank digital currency. But in the United States, the land of the free, I might add, um, there's a lot of pushback to central bank digital currencies because the people already know, thanks to people like myself and lots of other people uh, pounding the table about the dangers and how bad these things are. Now, you know, I've been talking about how because everybody is starting to wake up to how bad these things are, because we're starting to see, you know, I mean, now we're seeing presidential candidates running out uh, against this, like RFK, like Vivek Ramaswamy, even even Ron DeSantis, et cetera, passing laws like in Florida and South Carolina and Texas, banning central bank digital currencies. So, you know, the government just will just call them something else. <laughs> like uh, CBDC sounds so bad. People have so much pushback to that. So let's just call them something else that nobody will know what that means. Now, we now I believe over 80% of all financial transactions, you know, are already done digitally anyway. So we sort of already have a digital dollar. And how do you know what software, what backend, what rails that, that those dollars are moving on? And you don't. And so the Federal Reserve in the United States has now created something called FedNow. 
And FedNow has been going through this, um, you know, this pilot, this testing program, um, and now it's been released into the wild. Now, it's not totally a CBDC as most people would think about a CBDC in a sense where when we think about a CBDC, a central bank digital currency, it's where you and I have these new payment tokens, these new currency tokens, or, you know, whatever you want to call them, digital asset tokens, um, that we trade back and forth in the place of dollars, sort of like you do with cryptocurrency. Um, but this, and, and then we, we have those accounts directly with the central bank. So the central bank has the ledger, you and I use the currency units of that ledger. But in this case, um, FedNow is not that, right? It's not a, a unit for retail consumption. This is only for the banks to be using. And it's a way for them to send money back and forth uh, faster between themselves, to have settlement back and forth between themselves to be faster. Um, and some of the ways it's faster is like, for example, uh, right now, banks using the Fed wire system can only send money during normal banking hours, which, as you know, bankers hours are like the easiest, the lightest hours that you can have. And only during those banking hours can money move. But what about when you need to send money at night or on a weekend or on any of the numerous holidays that banks support? And the answer is you can't. And so FedWire is a very slow system, an archaic old system. The settlement times are slow um, and so forth. And now you've gone from FedWire to FedNow, which means you can send money now. <laughs> it, it's faster and it happens 24-7. And so on one hand... I don't believe personally that this is the big, bad, dangerous CBDC. And, and I know you'll see a lot of headlines, you know, the Glendex of the world are really pushing this to kind of scare you. You know, I'm just going to tell you as honest as I know that in my opinion, this is not a central bank digital currency, but, but this opens up the door to it. All right. And so you have to understand that typically these types of things, uh, especially in the United States where we have a say so, where the people still have a little bit of a voice, um, we can push back and states can ban this, right? And so it slows things down and forces them to reconsider. Whereas in China, of course, China was the first country to roll out a central bank digital currency because it's communist. <laughs> they don't care what people say. People have no voice. If you say something they don't like, they just give you a low social credit score and you're taken out of the system anyway. But in the US, they have to do it different. And so I think it's not a central bank digital currency, but it's certainly opening up the door to that. It's like, it's like the first stage of this. Now, some of the pros of having this are that businesses could receive funds from their customers and pay their workers immediately. So it could, it could simplify cash management. Um, some of the cons are it could cause some serious liquidity risk. So like, for example, we saw on the, you know, the banking crisis, or I say some of the banking collapse, like with uh, Silicon Valley Bank, I believe like $100 billion was taken out of the banks like in a day. And so with things like social media, news travels very fast. And with banking apps, like literally I can hear the news on Twitter, open up my banking app, and with a click of a button, I could just transfer my money from bank A to bank B. And it was all those people pulling their funds out at a rapid rate that caused the banking collapse. And so now if you can move money faster from bank to bank, it only... Uh, increases the risks of that happening. So then what are they going to do? Well, then they have to fix that somehow. How can they fix that? Well, they fix that by putting gates and checkpoints in to slow it down. They ultimately don't want the money to move that fast, not from bank to bank anyway. And so now, well, for transactions over 100000 those have to go through manual view. We're going to slow those down. And so at the end of the day, what it does is it sort of just introduces um, – it just introduces more control methods. 
But at the same time, as they're fighting against, you know, the decentralized money like Bitcoin, trying to push their centralized money like a CBDC or in this case, FedNow, we can see that it's really um, there's a, there's a new case that's really exposing this. As a matter of fact, um, Caitlin Long, who's a head of Custodia Bank, who I've also had on my show, and we have a podcast talking about this. So again, search Caitlin Long um, on the Mark Moss Show podcast, and if you want to if you want to check this out, but. Custodia Bank had this bright idea of not doing a fractional reserve. And what that means is that instead of um, taking your money and then loaning it back out, they would actually hold your money. So at any time you wanted, you could go withdraw your money and it wouldn't collapse the bank. Sounds like a pretty good idea. And the Federal Reserve denied their banking charter. Denied it. Why? Well, they don't want anybody to do a, uh, a full reserve bank. Why not? Because if there was a bank offering full reserve, then everybody would want that. And they would pull all their money from the fractional reserves and put it into a full reserve. And it would, it would destroy the entire banking system. So, of course, they denied it. Well, Custodia has now filed a lawsuit, a groundbreaking lawsuit against the Federal Reserve. They filed that in June of 2022. And it is exposing this whole regime, which is pretty amazing. It's going to be interesting to watch that. Another thing I want to talk about quickly is that Bitcoin has been on the move. And as much as Bitcoin has been on the move, the Bitcoin miners have been absolutely crushing it. As a matter of fact, Bitcoin is up in the last 30 days about... Um, 25%. And at the same time, we've seen publicly traded Bitcoin miners that have gone up by 100 to 250%. Riot Blockchain's up 118%. HUD 8's up 146%. Mars up 125%. Um, I mean, we are, we saw um, Core Scientific is up 225% in the same 30-day period. Bitcoin's on the move. The free market is speaking. We don't want CBDCs. We want Bitcoin money. The markets are voting. People are voting with their money. Hopefully, at some point, the powers that be will just recognize that we're in a democracy. Well, we're not in a democracy, we're in a republic, but the people have a voice, and this is they have voiced their opinion with their money, and that's the way it should go. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, running through some of the latest breaking news headlines of this week so you can understand how the world is changing right before your very eyes, and more importantly, so you can navigate it properly. i got to take a very quick break, but I'll be back with more stories in a minute um, that you don't want to miss, so don't go away. I'll be right back. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for for complete terms. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? 
it's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. All right, welcome back. If you just tune in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show, and we are talking about the decentralized revolution, of course, each and every week. We're running through some of the latest breaking news headlines so you can understand what is going on. And, you know, in this thesis of moving from, you know, big, globalized, central planning, centralization, globalization, moving towards this more smaller, decentralized world, it's important to look at it from a, a bunch of perspectives, and one of which is these like very large multinational corporations and companies. And it's interesting because on one hand, you see, you know, specifically in the United States, you see it in the European Union as well, like the government's trying to break up what they would call monopolies. And I talk about this because uh, we just saw this week that Microsoft, who has been, uh, uh, you know, accused uh, sued many times by the government for having uh, a monopoly. Um, was sued again, you know, for having another monopoly. But this time, Microsoft won. And it won its case against the FTC in a bid to buy Activision Blizzard. Now, Microsoft and Activision, you know, struck up a deal about 18 months ago where Microsoft wanted to buy them out. And then the FTC came in and tried to break them down and prevent that from happening. What happened is uh, a district judge, Jacqueline Scott Corley, denied the FTC's request for an injunction. So the FTC tried to stop it from happening by filing an injunction. She said that, 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 quote, the FTC has not shown it is likely to succeed on its assertion that a combined firm will probably pull Call of Duty from Sony PlayStation or that its ownership of Activision content will be substantially less competitive in the video game library, subscription and cloud gaming markets. So she said, look. Uh, FTC, we don't think that this is true, what you're asserting to be true. Uh, we don't see that. And so we're going to just go ahead and pull this. Now, the FTC, you know, the government has just gotten to a point where it's just so big. There's just so many different factions uh, and, and so many different interests and so many different things going on. And that's, that, that's sort of a problem. So there's, there's really no congruency there. We've seen, you know, the FTC has sued lots of people for doing things like this. Um, and the FTC is really one of these deep state, bureaucratic, administrative states, um, you know, agencies inside the government that really needs to be disbanded. You hear a lot about the, the administrative state. And the administrative state is a, is, is, is a, a bunch of different sectors, regulatory bodies in the United States of non-elected people that are basically there for life and have all the power. So while you have the illusion of voting for uh, a, you know, a politician, because you think that politician is going to go in and change things, what you realize is that you know whether they're a senator or a congressman or president, they have different terms, two years, four years, et cetera. They're there for a couple years to do whatever they're going to do. The administrative state is there before they got there. They're there while they're there. They're there after they're there. And they're the ones that have all the power. 
Now, Vivek Ramaswamy is a presidential candidate on the Republican Party. He's been very, 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 very outspoken about this. I've actually had Vivek uh, on my show to talk about this. If you'd like to check that out, just go back to the Mark Moss show on your favorite podcast app and find the Vivek Ramaswamy interview. But, you know, he has uh, kind of approached this uh, head on. Now, Donald Trump talked about taking on the deep state. But I don't think he really understood what he was dealing with, where Vivek understands what this administrative state is, and this is exactly what's going on with this FTC case. Now, what's interesting about this is at the same time as that happened, we saw that um, there was another case. It was Missouri versus Biden. And the Missouri, Missouri versus Biden proved that big tech and the federal government colluded to suppress millions of people, of protected free speech, um, uh, you know, an American. So they basically slapped an injunction on the federal government, on the Biden administration, and said, you can't go coerce these big tech companies to do your bidding anymore. And the reason why I like these two stories and why it's important to think about this is that on one hand, you see like the FTC apparently seems to be wanting to break up monopolies and and prevent these monopolies from forming. But on the other hand, it looks like what the government bodies and regulations are doing are creating these monopolies, and they actually want to create these monopolies. So what do I mean by that? Well, just look at the pandemic. They were literally shutting down mom and pop businesses everywhere, deeming them uh, non-essential. At the same time, the big box stores, the, 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 the national, the multinational corporations got bigger and bigger and bigger. So the small, decentralized mom and pop stores and businesses everywhere shut down. The big stores got bigger, 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 and more powerful. Now, why is that important? Well, it's much harder to control 100 or 1,000 or 100,000 small independent business people than it is to squeeze one single national or multinational company. It's much easier to control that. You know, one of the things that the government's trying to achieve, a very, very stupid plan that they're trying to achieve, is equal outcome. Now, I I believe in equality, and we should all be treated equally. We should all have equal opportunity. But you can't have equal outcome. And you can't have equal outcome for any number of reasons, um, one of which is because the outcomes that we have are based on the decisions that we make. So you have two twins come from the exact same family in the exact same neighborhood, go to the exact same school, go to the exact same teachers with the exact same parents, and yet end up completely different. Why? Because of the choices that they made. So if you really wanted to get people to an equal outcome, then what do you have to do? We have to make sure they only make the same choices. Well, how do you do that? We have to limit the choices they can make. So that either choices they make end to the same place. And you do that by eliminating all those small choices. The other thing that I think is interesting about this is that while on one hand, as I said, the government looks like they're trying to break up monopolies. On the other hand, they want the monopolies to be there. The other thing is that it's actually the government regulations that create the monopolies in the first place. You see, it's the government... As I was kind of talking about with the administrative state, it's not really the elected politicians that you send to Washington that make the laws. They basically spend their time fundraising. What they do is they sponsor bills that turn into laws. Where do the bills come from? Well, they come from lobby groups. Who are the lobby groups? That's the corporations. So what corporations do, like Amazon, is they work with the government to pass regulations that build moats, that prevent other people from coming and challenging them. Without the government and without regulations that built these 
regulatory moats for big businesses, we wouldn't have things like monopolies. Now, in the old days of you know railroads and oil companies and factories, maybe there was a little bit more there because it took a lot of capital to do that. But in, in today's di- digital age, we're full of decentralized small internet businesses. A guy can spin up a line of code in, in a couple hours using AI today and go compete against any other companies. As a matter of fact, Google put out a release saying that they can no longer compete with these decentralized businesses. And so big businesses move very slow. There's lots of people, lots of regulations. They move very, very slow as new people can instantly jump on a new hot idea and develop it with almost no cost today and compete. And so monopolies would automatically go away if the government would stop regulating them. But the problem is they continue to do both. So we're seeing it happen from both sides. And this, again, just highlights how the world is changing, really moving from these large multinational companies and will continue to decentralize down into smaller and smaller uh, companies. And we're, we're literally witnessing this happening in real time. And in the FTC, in the SEC, uh, in in all of these regulatory bodies, these deep administrative state. Um, I'm actually hosting a um, a Twitter space with presidential candidate RFK Jr. next week. Um, check me out on Twitter at one Mark Moss, and you can join that. One of the questions I'm asking him specifically is this. I'm going to ask him specifically, how do you think you're going to get anything done with the administrative state in place? I'm interested to hear what his answer is to that. If you'd like me to ask him any other questions that you have, hit me up on Twitter at one Mark Moss, and let me know what questions you'd like me to ask RFK Jr., and then tune into the space live to check that out. Now, if you're just tuned in, you are listening to the Mark Moss Show, of course, talking about the decentralized revolution. Uh, I got a whole lot more to cover when I come back. We're going to dig into the economy, what the new inflation numbers are, the new CPI ratings, and what that actually means, because the numbers are not what they appear to be. We'll talk about um, what's happening with the economy and so much more. I'm going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. So don't go away. I'll be right back. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. 
All right, welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The Mark Moss Show. I just took a quick break, but I'm back with more late-breaking news so you can hear directly as it comes out so you can understand what is going on in the world today. And, of course, we've covered a lot but don't worry, if you're missing it, just go back and check out the podcast. You can hear me over there. But, you know, I want to talk about what is going on. Uh, big news this week. The new CPI, the Consumer Price Index numbers came out. Everything is great, right? The Fed is doing its job. It's getting inflation down. Um, everything's amazing, right? 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 I mean, inflation's coming down, right? Right. Well, inflation is measured by CPI, Consumer Price Index, but there's also other things um, that that we can measure inflation prices with. CPI, Consumer Price Index, first of all, is a very heavily manipulated number. What do I mean by that? Well, it means that over the last, uh, really since the 80s, the last several decades, um, the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, is, which is who sets the CPI basket, has continued to change the basket of goods. So uh, you didn't like the old number, so let's just recalculate it to give you a new number. The other thing is that the Fed trying to bring inflation down doesn't really care so much about CPI. They really care, well, they care about like core CPI. So it's important to understand what they're really looking at. But in regards to the CPI, which is the kind of the published number that everybody pays attention to, you know, the headline that came out is that this headline figure, this headline number shows that we're now down to 3.1% of, of inflation. The CPI is now 3%. It was anticipated to be 3.1. It came out to be 3.0. Now, uh, why does that matter? Well, first of all, the Fed has a target of 2%. And the problem was for years, they couldn't get it. They couldn't get it. They couldn't get it. We had no inflation, no inflation, no inflation. They won it, won it, won it, won it. We have to get it up, get it up, get it up, get it up. We got to get to 2%. Well, they overshot it. They got to 9, 9.1. Well, oh, shoot. Well, we overshot it. Now let's bring it back down. So they've been trying to bring it back down. 2% is the target. We're at 3%. So we're getting closer there. But the reason why you have to dig in a little bit deeper is because if you look at if you look at the CPI basket, what you'll see is that um, – of all the things they're tracking, really the only thing that came down inside that basket was energy. Energy came down. And the reason why that's important is because what the Fed really cares about is, isn't, is, isn't the headline CPI. It's really caring about the core CPI. And what core CPI does is it takes um, that out of the equation. And so if you look at what they really care about, you understand that the numbers really actually aren't even that good. As a matter of fact, um, the, the inflation is still very high if you take the energy component out. Now, why is the energy component going down so much? Well, because inflation is measured year over year. So what they do is they go, well, energy was $130 a barrel. Uh, oil was $130 a barrel this month last year, and now it's this price this year. So they measure it from that point. And of course, they're measuring from when oil was its highest price. Now, they redid it. As I said, the BLS changes the CPI calculation on a regular basis, and they changed it in January of 2023 this year. I did a video on my, on my main YouTube channel, Mark Moss. Um, if you'd like to see these videos where I have charts and graphs and I outline and explain this and I show you the data behind it in a visual way, just go to Mark Moss on YouTube and just uh, you can check all those videos out there. But I made a video in January explaining that the BLS has once again changed their, their CPI calculation basket and that if nothing else changed, 
let's just say that all prices stay the same, inflation would start coming down because of that. And the reason why I start coming down because of that is because now instead of measuring from a two-year comp, we're only going to measure it from a one-year comp. And so because last year was the peak, September, we're uh, what two months away from the very peak, well, if you measure from a higher point, it looks lower. It's not a big surprise. And so as we're measuring from the high point of energy, oil prices, inflation, it's automatically going to come down and look less. Uh, so that's important to understand. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means a couple things. Uh, one, it means that I think we're about at the bottom of where this inflation is going to be. Now, I've been pretty vocal. I believe that we're seeing some of the lowest inflation we'll see for the rest of the decade. So I think inflation is still going to go way higher, at least real inflation. And when I say real is because, of course, like I said, they're manipulating it. We have other sources um, that track inflation back to how they used to calculate it. Um, so like, for example, um, shadow stats um, tracks it. And we can see that, you know, when they were showing that it was, uh, you know, 9%, it was really about 18%, right? And that's why I say real inflation. The other thing to kind of keep in mind is that the CPI uh, calculation is, is pretty stupid overall, in my opinion. And the reason why I say that is because inflation affects us all differently, right? We're all affected uh, differently. And, and what do I mean by that? Well, if you live in your parents' basement and you watch Netflix and you eat, you know, frozen pizza, like inflation hasn't even affected you at all. But if you live in like Miami Beach in a high-rise condo and you send your kids to a private school or, you know, private college, uh, inflation has hit you really, really, really hard. So it affects all of us differently. And so trying to kind of measure it in a single number doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense anyway. But in my opinion, uh, this is some of the lowest inflation we'll see for the rest of the decade. I think energy has pretty much bottomed out at this point and will probably start going higher from here. So we're definitely have to keep an eye on that. But I think now is a good time to get back in on energy and um, plan for prices going higher. What would you do to plan for prices going higher? Well, for one, if prices are going higher, that means that your purchasing power is going to go down. So you're going to need more money to have the same quality of life that you have right now. So what do you do about that? Well, one, you can think about making more money. That could be one. But two, you probably want to put your money, your savings, your stored money into some sort of asset that can at least keep up with, but hopefully beat the inflation rate. So what are those? Well, uh, it depends certain certain market cycles. Right now, I like energy, as we've just talked about. I think energy prices are bottoming out. Uh, energy prices got hammered particularly hard because of the you know Russia Ukraine war, and most people thought that the 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 Ukraine war would really put a crimp into the global supply of energy, and so prices shot way higher, right? But what we found out is that that's not actually what happened. And as a matter of fact. Um, and as a matter of fact, uh, there wasn't much of a disruption at all. There's almost no disruption. Russia continued to sell their oil. They continued to sell to uh, you know India. Continued to find its way into the global markets, regardless. And uh, now we you know we find out we have plenty of oil. And so I think that was a big shock that never seemed to materialize. Um, so I would plan on, uh, like I said, trying to diversify assets that could keep up with or beat inflation. I like energy. I like commodities. I've been talking about commodities a lot lately. Um, 
I know real estate, you know, has been, has getting has been getting hammered, particularly around the interest rates, um, which I think the interest rates will be coming back down. I think it's going to be a really big opportunity there, specifically around uh, multifamily, you know, commercial properties. So I'm watching those as well. So not financial advice, not financial advice, but these are some things that I'm watching and kind of waiting for. Uh, and some other news that uh, kind of um, continues to hit on that, which is this inflation. If you think about inflation, really inflation is the increase in the money supply. Prices going up is the effect of the increases in the money supply. And so we can see that the U.S. national debt has now increased by over $1 trillion just since the debt ceiling was suspended last month. Just last month, going from 31.46 to 32.47 in a month. That was with a recession looming, you know, workforce disability claims hitting. I mean, all of this happening, inflation raging, and yet here we are adding another cool trilly in just a month. So uh, I like to say, you know, or the old saying is that uh, there's only two things in life that are certain, and that's death and taxes. I'll say that there's three things in life that are certain now. It's death, it's taxes, and it's money printing. <laughs> Those are the three things that you can count for, and money printing, of course, leads back to more inflation. Now, we've been running through some of the latest breaking news headlines this week. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. If you missed any of it, check me out on the podcast at The Mark Moss Show. And that's what we got. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 